0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to speak tonight in the short time that I have on the spirit-filled volunteer. Let me say spirit-filled. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus speaking. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with the water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 it says, when you receive, sorry, then you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, which includes here in dear old Adelaide. It's amazing. Jesus said many things. He said you would do even greater things than him. But it was in the context of waiting to be filled with the Spirit of God. He said you do incredible things. But don't do anything until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He said I want you to go into all the earth and baptize and, 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 and tell of my goodness. But don't do it until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the context with which Jesus intended ministry To be done with. Serving Jesus was not and cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. Jesus has asked us to do an impossible task. We cannot do what Jesus has asked us to do without a total reliance upon him. I read a recent article and it was actually on Facebook today about hurting pastors. I don't know if any of you saw that. Apparently, there's a lot of hurting pastors out there which may come as no surprise to you. I dare say there's a lot of hurting Christians out there. I dare say there's a lot of people that used to be in church. There's a lot of people that used to serve God, but they're not today. And while I'm sure the answers are many and varied, I'm sure it can come back to this one thing, that somewhere, somehow we took our eyes off Christ and we stopped being empowered from on high to do what we cannot do without Him. And so we do things in our own strength, And as a result, we burn out. You and I were not called to serve God in our own strength. And I'm so grateful that we can have such a great high energy meeting tonight. But I believe the only thing that's going to ensure that we are here next time we have a volunteers meeting and a year from now and a decade from now, is not based on these meetings. These meetings are not going to keep us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's ultimately going to keep us. See, I believe, particularly in the Western world, in our desire to be contemporary, we tend to leave the Holy Spirit out of things. And as a result, we do our own thing in our own strength, which leads to burnout. And then what happens is we create a theology around our experience. In other words, I got hurt by the church and so I no longer go anymore. And we hold on to a few verses that support our feelings. Is this ringing true with anybody or anybody you know? And so today there are a lot of opinions, I believe, that need silencing. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew 4, three times the devil comes at him. And Jesus ends up saying, away from me, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's an argument today whether we should be worshippers or whether we should be servers or whatever the case may be. The bottom line is we should be both. But it's interesting the order in which Jesus said these two things. He said, worship the Lord your God and out of that worship you serve him. He didn't say serve and worship. Serving and worshipping doesn't work. It's only when we worship first that we can ultimately serve him long term. And I believe just like Jesus said, get away from me and silence the voice of the enemy so we're going to have to silence people's voices. Oh, you don't want to work in church? They'll just wear you out. They'll just use you up. They'll just this. They'll just that. And you can say, away from me for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him. It's not enough just to come on a Sunday and worship him. You've got to serve him. But it's not enough just to serve him. If you don't worship him, you'll burn out. We are not created to serve God without worshipping Him. We're not created to serve God alone. We can't do life without Him. Just like a car engine cannot run without oil, so we need the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives or we will become a statistic. Anyone out there want to be a statistic? Or does anyone out there want to serve Jesus? Not only in this generation, but in the generations to come. Because that's what I want to do. I'm 43 years of age, and I want to be serving Jesus at 53, and 63, and 73, and 83, and God willing, 93, and God willing, again, 103. I want to serve God as long as I have life and breath. My energy energy levels may change over the years. I can, I, I get that. But it's still not an excuse not to serve somewhere. Celebrated Irene Lang's 100th birthday, and she's always at church on a Sunday morning. And I'll tell you, if she had a bit more energy... I reckon she'd be serving in the Origin coffee bar. I really do. If she could, she would. I really do believe that. If she could, she would. She's a great cook. She's cooking at home. She still is independent. She lives at home by herself. It's amazing. And I think if she just had a little bit more energy, she would be in here serving as often as she could. You see, in Proverbs 24, verse 3 to 5, it says, "Wisdom, sorry, By wisdom a house is built, And through understanding, it is established, and through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. A wise man has great power, and a man of knowledge increases in strength. In other words, to build a house, or to build a church, or to build a life, to build a marriage, or to build a family, it takes more than just hard work. It says you need knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And so let me explain it this way. More recently, I had surgery on my hip. But going back a couple of years ago, I I had this pain in my hip and I didn't know what the issue was. And so I had to get knowledge. What's the problem with my hip? And so I had to get some knowledge about what the issue was. And so I went to a doctor to get some information, to get some knowledge. Is this making sense? You're following me? And the the doctor's diagnosis brought understanding. He said, because of your hip and the condition of your hip, you're going to need an operation and you will have to make some adjustments to your lifestyle. So I got some understanding through the knowledge that was gained. But that alone is not enough. Then I need wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge. There's a lot of clever silly buggers in university with lots of knowledge, but not doing anything with what they know. Knowledge alone will not change your life. And so the spiritful man says, yes, that's what I believe. I just believe it's the spirit. No, 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 no. You've got to have knowledge. You've got to have something for the spirit of God to work on and in and through. And so I want to encourage every one of you out there to get knowledge, to get wisdom, to get understanding. You've got to get knowledge. Here's the thing with knowledge. It's something that God doesn't give you. The Bible says that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because there's a lot of Christians that are just lazy. They don't learn anything. They don't read any books. They don't read the Bible. They don't read people. They don't read life. They don't read circumstances. They don't read the situation. It's not just in school or university you can learn, but you've got to be a learner. Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs and many of the Proverbs were things that he learnt in life. He said, a little bit of honey is great. Too much makes you sick. This is what that Proverb tells me, that either when he was a little boy growing up or when he was a dad and had kids, someone ate too much honey and threw up. And he put it down to knowledge. He put it down to learning. He learned something from it. He gained knowledge. He sucked it in. He said, I've got some information. I've got some knowledge. And then he applied that to his life. And when you read those proverbs, like that one, straight after that proverb, you'll see Solomon likens it to life. He says, if you eat too much honey, you'll be sick. If you hang around your friends too much, they will make you sick. And so he's able to appropriate wisdom to his life because of the knowledge he had, the knowledge he got for himself. God will not give you knowledge. You've got to get it for yourself. And people are destroyed because they're too lazy because they don't get knowledge. You've got to get knowledge. And if that's in school, great. If that's in university, great. Wherever that is, great. Whatever you're doing, get knowledge. That's your responsibility. God will not do for you what he expects you to do for yourself. But on the other hand, knowledge alone is not enough. We need wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. And so we have to get knowledge, but then we need wisdom to know how to handle and use the knowledge that we have. There are many people that think the Bible contradicts itself because they have knowledge that the Bible says this and it says this. But they need wisdom to know when to apply this verse or that verse. And so we need God. Your universities and your Bible schools alone will not help you. We need learning. We need knowledge. We need those things so that we can draw from our knowledge and ask God for wisdom in knowing what to apply. Is this making sense tonight? It's knowledge and wisdom. Submitting our knowledge... To God's will is being Spirit-led. We need to be Spirit-led volunteers. So all the knowledge we have, we submit it to God's wisdom. You're going to hear some things in university. You're going to get some knowledge about certain things that are unhelpful. Now you have to submit that knowledge to the wisdom of God. And I believe that is what Spirit-led life is all about. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15... It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, there's those three things again, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father, to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, there's been a lot of excesses in the name of the Holy Spirit. Stuff that's just outright weird. There's been a lot of emphasis when it comes to the Holy Spirit on phenomena, the paranormal and the supernatural. For example, gold dust and feathers and falling over and rolling around and laughing and prophesying. We tend to think of that as spirit-led. I don't know if that's what God had in mind when it comes to genuinely being spirit-led people. I want us as a group of volunteers and indeed Christians to be people that are supernaturally natural. Without the supernatural, we're going to burn out. Without the natural, no one's going to follow us. We need both. See, being Spirit-led is not a license to be weird. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit is comfortable. Far more than we are with the natural and the normal. And the reason I know that to be true is because he gives us gifts. And we're normal. At least we're meant to be. In other words, God doesn't just use angels. He's happy to use the normal. When he wanted to redeem mankind, he sent a human being. The Holy Spirit is really comfortable with normal. More so than the paranormal, he's comfortable with the natural. More so than the supernatural, by supernatural I mean the spooky, weird stuff. In one Corinthians chapter twelve, there's a list of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And some people might say, "Where, where are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in the church these days?" And I want to answer that by saying two things. One is, they're everywhere. If you're saying, where's the person who stands up, speaks in tongues in the interpretation? If if you want to stylize the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's gone. But if you're talking about genuine, Spirit-filled Christianity in the church today, I believe if you've got eyes and ears to see and hear, it's there. You know, there's many times when I'll be preaching... And When I finished preaching, someone said, "Tony, it was like you were listening to a conversation that we were having last night." Well, how, how do you think I knew that? It's the spirit flowing through me with word of wisdom, word of knowledge. You know, don't penalize me because I didn't use Old English. You got it? There's lots of things that are taking place in the name of the Spirit, that I think he's far more comfortable with than super spiritual people are. And I want us to understand what I mean by Spirit-led, because I'm not talking about that weird nonsense. But I also want to say this about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul categorically says they're actually not for the church, they're actually for outside the church. Those gifts are meant to help people who are hurting outside the church. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom that God wants to give you is actually to help people with their marriages. It's to help people who are really hurting and in need. It's not just to bless the Christian week after week after week after week after week. See, the gospel does not need to be contemporary. It already is. But people need to change. And I love when you read the Old Testament, you'll see... The prophets talking in thus saith the Lord language, you get to the New Testament. Paul doesn't use that. He says, uh, it seemed good to me in the Holy Spirit, so we did that. His language changed. The Holy Spirit didn't. And we've got to get more comfortable with the practical. And the reason I feel to share this tonight is because my reliance on the Holy Spirit is often overlooked. I believe went to EDGE conference last week and God really challenged me to teach people the reliance that I personally have on the Holy Spirit. I've worked really hard at making my spirit-led journey as practical as I possibly can. And to the uneducated, it can look like I don't even pray. There's people out there that think we have built a church on smoke machines and lights. I wish it was that easy. But I can categorically stand before you and say, there's not a day in my life I don't pray in tongues. There's not a day in my life I don't pray. Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't ever pray any more than five minutes, but I never go, without, uh, I never go five minutes without praying. And I kind of feel that that's something of my life. I feel like I'm always praying. There's always something that I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with, thanking God for. And, and if you just, just see my natural approach and then try to follow my example, because the Bible says you, know, you should follow your leaders, but if you miss the essence of what's behind what I do, you're going to burn yourself out. And so I think maybe my, my leading has been misdirective. if you don't understand the weight of the Spirit's leaning that I rely upon. And so if you do want to follow my example, that, that's great, but know this, I rely upon the Holy Spirit to do what I do. Many of you would know, based upon the decision we made with Mick recently, the announcement that I made to the church, that was a difficult thing for me to do and yet I feel like I'm made for those moments. But I don't just pluck a scripture out, get up here and just and think that's easy. I'm telling you, there's, there's a weightiness that comes with waiting on God and weighing up this scripture with that scripture and then, and, and, and then just bringing it together with the wisdom of God. I say, God, I've got lots of knowledge. I know what your word says. Your word says this. Your word says rebuke. Your word says discipline. Your word says cover. That's what love does. Which one is it, Lord God? I need your wisdom. Say, that's exactly where I want you. That's exactly where I want you. That's exactly where I want you. I don't know how to be a Christian at work. I'm the only Christian there. Ask for his wisdom. Because maybe he wants you to get out, but maybe, just maybe, he wants you to stay. And a Spirit-led person will know the difference. This is what I would do when I'm preaching, when I'm counselling, when I'm talking. And I do this in the church and I do it lots outside the church. If I get a word for somebody, a feeling, an an unction, a thought about somebody and their marriage, which I just trust is God speaking to me. I could go as the hero and say, Hey, I was praying for you this morning, Josh Brett, and uh, I was woken up with this thought about your marriage. And if I'm right, either I build towards myself and he treats me as the guru and he's looking to me, which is unhelpful, or I'm wrong and I look like an idiot. But what I've learned to do, particularly in dealing with the unchurched, is through a word of knowledge, through the gifts of God being at work in my life, I've learned to ask questions. But the questions are prompted by the Holy Spirit. So I might be sensing that someone's marriage is in trouble. I might meet up with someone I haven't seen for a while. And I'm just sensing that there's something about their marriage. I don't know what it is. Or maybe I do. Depends how much information the Holy Spirit reveals to me. But I say, hey, how you going, man? How's your wifey? I think, well, why'd you ask? Ah, oh, just, how is she? Well, actually, she walked out on me the other day. Let's get a coffee. Let's talk. Do you want to talk some more? And I find I can get into deeper, meaningful conversations real quick because of questions that are led by the Holy Spirit. Because God's intention is not for you to get the glory. Glory. I really feel gone are the days. Thus saith the Lord. It's not I felt like this is what I felt that God say to me this morning. It's not your gift and it's not for you to receive the glory. When God gives me a word of knowledge for someone, it's actually not for me, it's for somebody else. So it's not the gift is not for me, it's for somebody else. And the glory is definitely not for me. It's for the Holy Spirit. And so if there's anything about my life and how I do life and you think, ah, you know, all you got to do is is be young, cool and and all those things that I am. (laughs) Jokes. But you're going to miss where the power to do church for 18 plus years. There's not too many people that can boast 18 plus years leading the same church in this city. And you can't just manufacture that. Smoke and lights will get you so far, but they they don't help you when there's abuse coming your way. They don't help you when there's tough decisions to be made. And so I hope you catch my heart and hear me on what I'm saying tonight. The gift is not for you, it's for others. And the glory is not for you, it's for God. God. So let's be a Spirit-led people that are normal. Evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit, just in closing, according to the Scriptures, the evidence is not speaking in tongues. It's not prophesying. According to the Scripture we've read in Ephesians 5, it's to be joyful. To be filled with the Spirit is to be full of joy. In verse 19, it says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's really hard. You don't, you don't see happy people singing. so you don't see unhappy people singing. You laugh because it's, 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 it's silly. Because of course, you're, when you're happy, you sing. I think it was Abraham Lincoln. One of those guys said, show me a man who whistles at work and that's the one I want to employ. You want happy people. And the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is you're happy. You're happy. Having had Chris Veenan come through recently, it was such a treat because he said, man, the one thing I'm going to miss in leaving this home is the singing every morning. Because you guys always sing. Because I'm going to miss your singing. And we don't sing well. You know that. We don't even sing well, but he's going to miss our singing. I remember Mitchy when he was in grade one, his teacher called us in. I don't know, year one was not a great year for Mitch. We got called into that classroom more times than I care to remember. Mitchie Rainbow, Mr. and Mrs. Rainbow. Oh, my gosh! It's Tony, Mr. and Mrs. Rainbow. Please take a seat. (laughs) About your son, Mitchell. Happened too often for my liking. Can I just say, it has not happened in any other year, but year one. Oh, my goodness me. And the amazing thing was, it was over some of the silliest stuff. She said, he's always singing. I'm like, and? He's always singing. I don't like his singing. She's like, I'm always singing. And he was singing, Mustang Sally. (laughs) So I said, thank you, missus I'll leave her name out thank you very much I know how to handle this I took him out and bought him ice cream I want my son singing Mustang Sally K-San hit me with your best shot Suicide Blonde I see red, I see red, I see red. Got to sing. is a sign that you're filled with the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit is to be joyful. It's to be thankful, verse 20. Always give thanks for everything. Always give thanks for everything. There's something good in everything. 2008 was the toughest year of my life, trying to get this building up and trying to prepare people mentally for the challenge of the bigness of the church and this and that and the other. It was the toughest year of my life, but it was the best year of my life. It taught me things. I learned to give God thanks when I didn't have a lot to thank God for in the natural. That's a sign of being filled with the Spirit. You know, can be miserable. Can you imagine being full of joy and full of thanks? I don't think you're going to give up serving too soon. I don't think you're going to backslide too soon. That's how the Holy Spirit wants us to live our lives. Joyful, thankful, and lastly, faithful. Verse 21, submit to one another. It's it's a sign. These people that think you can be a Christian and not go to church, they they don't get it. See if you can be a Christian and not go to church. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. Me and God are good, but just, you're that good. You've got no grace for anyone else. Doesn't sound like the God of more than enough to me. You're that fine, you can't go to church. Really? One of, the, one of the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you'll submit yourself to somebody, that you'll submit yourself to somebody else. It's one of the signs of being full of the Spirit of God. not just doing your own thing this whole message tonight is a call back to Holy Spirit empowerment minus the weirdness I would encourage you to have a daily reading time I would encourage you to have a daily prayer time but coupling that don't cease praying pray when you're driving don't shut your eyes though When someone offers you a job or a promotion, don't just say yes. Don't let flattery get there. Just say, let, let me just, I, I need to think about that. Don't say, I need to go to the Lord and pray about that. No, let me, don't. That's what we're going to do, but don't tell them. It's amazing people when they're, when they're jaded and they just, I, I feel the Lord moving me on from church or I feel God's moving me out of serving. Really? When's it like, Really? I meant to buy that. There's no joy. There's no thanks. There's no faithfulness. And you're hearing God. Really? If someone says to me that they're that, 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 that joyful, that, that, man, thanks so much for this church. It's been a joy. But I cannot, I can't get rid of this, this calling, this urging from God. But even though, even though I can't get rid of it, I still, I'm going to submit it to you. What do you think? Could it, is it God? I think there could be something genuine in that. That could be God generally calling someone to another place with that. Joyful, happy and faithful. Don't, don't be fooled. Don't buy into the lie. Silence the voices that are around. Be like Jesus and say, get away from me. It's not spirit-filled. You can roll around the floor with your light. It's not spirit-filled. It's just a waste of time. I mean, do it if you must, but please come up happy. Seriously. You know, there's this, there's, this, there's this teaching about the grace of God. You know, the people who are embracing the grace of God message, they're most, some of the most ungracious people I know. Don't you know? You guys should be more gracious. You should be into grace. Like, well, Where's your grace? For us who don't have it yet, just be gracious. <laughs> if you're so filled with grace, then you're not displaying it very well. If you think about it, if you, if you had this monopoly of truth about grace... They should be the most graceful, forgiving, loving, accepting people on the planet, yeah? So why are they so bitter and twisted and arguing with everybody? Don't buy into the lie. There's something about a smile. There's something about true joy. There's something about a song in your heart. There's something about, you know what, I'm going to submit myself to somebody because I ain't got the truth, I ain't got the monopoly of truth. Every one of us has blind spots. You can't be a lone ranger. You can't be your own man. You need to be in with someone under someone next to someone you you need somebody I, I think the greatest thing I can give you as a church that should give you some comfort is that I have men and women who come through to our home on a regular basis men that are older than me wiser than me more experienced than me been in ministry longer than I have and they come and stay in our home for a week at a time and that happens four or five times a year and they speak into our life and speak into my marriage and, 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 and assess where we're at. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm not here to say, do what I do. Just to, and people are speaking into my life. It's a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I want the Spirit of God. And sing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. See, it's not hard. You know, some of you, be better stop praying and just do that because some of your prayers it's not prayer it's just communing with your worries that's all you're doing you're having communion with your worry. oh God my life is so horrible that's not prayer you'd be better off saying if you're happy and you know it, it just get your mind off your misery doesn't sound too spiritual yeah it might make you happy though it's really hard to sing that song and not have a smile on your face I mean you, okay watch it if you're happy sing it with me if you're happy look at you you're all smiling It's the answer to depression. Don't take pills, just sing that song. So you think, oh, that's not very spiritual. The Holy Spirit told me to say that. Has this been helpful? Let's stand, I want to pray for you, then Pete's going to come and close. Maybe the band can come up. I don't know if we're going to do a song, but come up anyway, I don't know. I think we're out of time. I don't, want to, I don't want to see you become a statistic and you don't have to be. You don't have to be. To the best of my knowledge you are not being asked to do anything beyond what you're capable of. And if you really feel you're being overworked please let us know because I'd, I'd love to release you of something because we don't want that for you. But maybe we feel like that Not because we're being overworked, but because we have no oil, we have no joy, we have no song in our heart. Let's start with that. Father, I just want to thank you for your Holy Spirit ever present. I want to thank you for your incredible power that's at work in people. And I pray it's this power that would see us and keep us serving you. And not just serving, but serving with joy, serving with thanksgiving, serving with a measure of faithfulness. That 10 years from now, we'd be serving you. 20 years and on, serving you joyfully, willingly, thankfully. I pray dear God, that you would grace the marriages that are in this place, the families that are in place. I know the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but I pray that you'd rise up a standard against the enemy right now and bring about protection. I pray that you'd protect people even as we leave this place as we get onto the roads, that your grace and mercy would follow us all the days of our lives. We ask that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Give somebody a hug. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.